would love to attempt today to maybe inspire you to why we believe this crazy message about Jesus Christ. I, in my planning and studying to do what I do, I took several courses on world religions. And I always felt like Christianity seemed to be very arrogant in the sense of we claim to be the only way. And yet if you study religions, every religion feels like they have a way to get to God. Buddhism, Hinduism, whatever ism you have. That everybody of faith tends to believe their way of faith is the right way. That's why they study it. That's why they practice their beliefs. So if we went to a Buddhist today and said, Hey, we appreciate your beliefs, but your beliefs are wrong. Our beliefs are right. What we believe is right. And if you don't believe like we believe, you burn in hell the rest of your life. It seems very arrogant to say that. And very presumptuous that we would say that our religion is the right one. If you go to a Muslim who has Islamic beliefs and say to them, if you believe like me, you'll go to heaven, but if you don't, you go to hell. And many of them may look back at us and say, well, what makes you think your way is right? And many of us may answer, well, I was raised that way. I was told by my parents that to believe in Jesus. I grew up in the South, especially here. And I was told a story about a guy named Jesus that if I believed in him, I could live forever and skip hell. And, but if you try to debate it, it becomes a whole other problem. Because though we believe the story, a lot of times it's hard to say, well, then why is it the only way? Are we that arrogant or do we really believe it's the only way? I heard Oprah years ago say, there's many ways to get to God. Every religion leads to God. Every thought leads to God. And Though that sounds wonderful and everybody on the show clapped and it gave everybody goosebumps that we're all headed the same way and we're going to meet this eternal God. As long as you're not a Christian, that's palatable. It's easy. It's like, yeah, I like that. I like just, hey, do whatever you want to do here. Be a good person. One day you'll hit some other world out there. And if there is a God, great. If there's not, great. And so if you add Christianity in, it's, it's skeptical at best. It's... It's no, you're going to get out there, and if you don't believe like I believe, you're going to go to hell for it. You're going to stand in front of a God one day, and if you don't put your faith in His only Son, well, you will, you're forever condemned. The reality is, I wonder, even though we say that as Christians, if we really believe it, because if we really believed it, it seems to me we would do something about it. If we really believe that if people don't believe like we believe in Jesus we would be doing something every day to convince people not to walk off the edge. So I think we believe it because we've been told, but maybe not believe it because it's logical. And if we do, then it should inspire us to do something about it. I heard a guy say a question to me years ago, and it pondered me to really think. He said, if you really believe there's a hell where people who don't believe what you believe are going to go, why are you sitting here talking to me? You should be going everywhere to tell everybody not to go there. I felt like that was a good argument. And so in this, I don't want to call it a series, because what I want to do is to try to work out publicly here what I've tried to work out all my years serving God. I have to stand up every week and talk about Him and try to do it in a way that's palatable and do it in a way that you'll walk out the door and it, you won't feel like you've wasted your time coming here that it'll be meaningful and you can grow from it. So that's what I attempt to do. But in that, I, I, I'm willing to do it because I've landed on what I believe to be true about this. 
And so what I'd like to start out with on Easter, resurrection morning, is to bring you to a place of making the decision, is he or is he not who he really said he was? Because we're 2,000 years removed from it. So if I'm 2,000 years removed, I'm just going to have to bank on of what other people have told me. Here's what's strange. There are more people in this room right now than the amount of people who showed up on the day he resurrected. If you want to know how many showed up the day he came out of the grave, this row right here of three people is how many people showed up. And the three that showed up were not even expecting anything to happen. They showed up to anoint his body because they could not do it on Saturday because that was the Sabbath. So they had to come on Sunday to keep him from smelling. They were going to anoint his body. They show up and you, read, you heard the story. It was a shock. Like, what? He's not here? Who took his body? So even the people that followed him were skeptical. The people that followed him scratched their heads like, this is the craziest thing ever. So I find myself not in that bad of a category when in 2022 I scratch my head and go, this is the weirdest story. This thing we believe, this, the arrogance to say that what we believe is the only way. And you, you want to irritate a Christian, just let them see the bumper sticker that says we can all coexist. Because they'll go, no we can't. Our religion is the only religion that works. And so we ripped the bumper sticker off and put a fish. <laughs> like our fish is better than all the others. So the question is, is it? It's what I've tried to work out. Is it? Is it worth the nonsense? Is it worth all the pain we go through to find religion? Is our religion different than if you walked out the door today and decided, I think I'm going to quit being a Christian and I'm going to become a Hindu, would your life be any different? Or would you just live that faith while you're on the earth? And I would like to inspire you to go ahead and tell you where we're going to go today is I'm going to ask you to put your faith in a nonsensical story. But I'm going to try to do it in such a way that may make it palatable. Let's look at the thought. From day one, the resurrection story of Jesus was touted as fake. Nothing more than a conspiracy of his followers desperate for political freedom. If you read the Gospels, one of the problems with the Gospels is we read it backwards. We're 2,000 years removed. We read into the story. So we're already reading into the story. He's Jesus. He's going to die. He's going to be crucified. He's the Son of God. How cool. Easter and, and Christmas and all those things. But if you're in the moment living with Him and walking with Him, you're not thinking any of that. You're not thinking Christmas. You're not thinking Easter. You're thinking, dude, we got a guy that's going to deliver us from Rome and we're going to have political freedom. It's all about politics. We're going to literally rule the world. Jesus is going to rule the world. We're going to sit on thrones with him. They're walking around the whole time like, this is it. This is the moment. Seize the day. Carp diem. This is a great thing. So you can imagine when he dies, it flipped their apple cart upside down. It robbed them of everything they dreamed. It robbed them of their hopes. His death robbed them of everything they ever thought. That's why nobody showed up the day of his resurrection. They were all rather disappointed and disillusioned that what they thought about him was not really true. And so here's the actual story of why I say it was fake. As the women were on their way, this is what Ryan read. 
Some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. And a meeting with the elders was called and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. And they told the soldiers, here's what you're going to say. You must say that Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole his body. This is going to probably help some of you, may bother some of you. Long before President Trump ever said fake news, here it is. This was the start of the Trump stole it. He's not our savior. It happened right here. The very first morning of the resurrection, fake news began. I'm convinced that the enemy knows that if I can spread the lie, the lie is easier to believe than the truth. I often find in psychology as well, it's not my point to go there, I'm not a psychologist, but in my studies, I've often found it is easier to believe a lie than the truth. Because we can manipulate the lie to make logical sense. We can manipulate the lie so that the parents don't ground us. So I will say that oftentimes the lie is a lot easier to believe than the truth. It's why when a man stands up and says, I bless you with provision in life, and he's blessing you with the truth of the gospel, it's like, well, I'm broken sick. So it is easier to believe the antithesis of what's really true because of experience and feelings. Well, here we are. They have to conjecture a story. Here's why. They have to conjecture this story because if the story is true, we're going to have a political chaos on our hands. If this dude came back from the grave and is who he says he is, they're going to take over the town. If they take over the town, Pilate's getting fired from Caesar. Somebody's losing their head because we can't let this rabble of Jews get any kind of political hold in the town. So they have to change the story. We have to squelch any kind of thinking that the dude who said he was God was really God. It's Caesar who is God. So they conjecture, hey, here's what we'll do. We'll just say they stole his body. So verse 15, like any good logical man would do, they accepted a bride. And then they said, okay, we'll just tell them what we were told to say. And then this phrase in pink. If you read over it quickly, it's just, okay, let's move to the next verse. But if you hold it a minute and think it through, it says, and they still tell the story to this day. Well, the reality of Matthew, who's writing what we're reading, wrote some 50 years later from Jesus. So here's the thought. This news of being fake is still circulating 50 years later. This is not like it's fake on Tuesday and then on Wednesday we forgot about it. It's such a powerful thing. It is such a powerful moment that we squelch it for more than 50 years because if anybody believes this, things are going to change. So this story of Jesus is not just some dumb guy that showed up and said he's God. Like we have to squelch it because if this is true and people believe it, what would it do? It would turn the world upside down. It would change lives. It would heal hearts. It, and if it is true, politics would have no hold on you because you would find your freedom elsewhere. Money would have no hold. You would find your freedom elsewhere. Sex would have no hold. You would find your freedom elsewhere. And one thing we know, politics, money, and sex sells. I can't control you if you're really free. 
I can't manipulate you with my fears. I can't manipulate you with my anxieties if you're really free. And so I can't let you believe something that would make you free. I've got to keep you believing in the government, believe in politics, believe in, believe in all the other gods, but not a God that could change things. So here we are 2,000 years removed, and the weirdness is the fake news still goes on. The world is rife with people who don't believe it, the, that still say it's fake, that still say they're, they're called agnostics today, they're called atheists today. They don't believe the story is true. And I do give them the benefit of the doubt. If you listen to the story, it is the most ludicrous, dumb, illogical story ever. And yet we take this illogical nonsense and tell people it's the only way. Here it is. Here's the story. So I took ten things of the story of Jesus and I labeled them as true, meaning I believe it. Like I have no problem believing it, worked it out, die for it. Skeptical, meaning uh, I believe it, but... And then impossible meaning just literally stupid. No, no way. So I went through the story of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus today who say he's the only way to live, there is no other way, here's what we all believe. Are you ready? You might want to take a swig of coffee. <laughs> the first is easy. There was a real historical person Jesus of Nazareth. No denying it. It doesn't matter how much we debate it. There's plenty of historical data that a dude from Nazareth named Jesus walked planet Earth. Uh, we, don't, we can go beyond the Bible. There's all kind of writings. There's all kind of proof historically that he really lived. So I'm going to chalk it up, give him a question mark, uh, a check mark. I'm good. Number two. It gets a little sketchy. He claimed he was the only son of the highest God. Okay, David Koresh, he had some weird claims. Hitler had some weird claims, right? And there's just a lot of people that have some weird claims that think they are what they're not. They're a prophet, they're a God, they're a... So I put a question mark because when he says, I'm the only son of the highest God, I mean, okay, come on. Anybody that reads Greek mythology knows all the gods have kids. So now you're telling me if I believe in Christianity, Greek mythology has to go out the door because what about Zeus having a kid? And what about Athena who has a kid? And what about all these other gods that have kids? What about Neptune who had a kid? I guess if he did. It just made me suddenly want to Google who was Neptune's kid. I'm gonna, if I ever have a kid, I'm going to name him Neptune. Name your child Neptune, Ryan, if you ever have one. It make me feel better. Uh, so I'm sketch on that, but I will give him, he thought he was the only son of God. I don't know if I could prove it, but he thought he was, so I gave it a question mark. Number three, he was put to death by crucifixion, definite check mark, uh, same thing, go historically, look it up, look it up, all the documents, all the writings, they will say that this historical Jesus was really crucified. Where it gets sketchy is what happened after they killed him. And it really doesn't matter what he thinks, I mean, all humans have their thoughts, but what happened afterwards? Now here's what happens afterwards where really the story of what we believe is interesting. Here we go. He came back to life after three days rotting in the ground. I'm good with that. That's Christianity. I put an X because I literally don't know how that's possible. 
how does a dude rotting in the ground come back after three days? If anybody in this room has seen a rotting corpse come back after we've buried them, I'd love to chat with you. I will take you to coffee and pay for it. I don't know one person on my list of people who say there was a dead dude that we buried under the dirt who came up out of the dirt three days later and was like, yo, I'm back. Right? I don't know of anybody. Now, I know there's stories. There's stories of Smith Wigglesworth who brought back a dead person. I'm like, good, that dude was only dead like eight minutes. So, pfft. Give me somebody done been in the ground rotten that's got a worm coming out of them. That, that will make me go, I might want to think about this. I might tithe now. All right? So I put an X because I've never seen it, but that's what the story says. Number four, it gets worse, but I, uh, I, I struggled to put an X here, but I did. He walked around town for 40 days with other dead people. The Bible says that when he came out of the ground, over 500 people came up with him and walked around town with him. What? Can you imagine? You're sitting there. It's Sunday morning. You're having waffles. You're just chilling out with the fam. And all of a sudden, y'all go get the door. You open the door. It's Uncle Bobby! Oh my God, it's Uncle Bobby. Uncle Bobby's here. Hey, yeah, I was just down there and all of a sudden this dude come up with a bunch of keys and said, let's go get out of here. He was just holding a bunch of keys. We're like, what are those keys? He thought, these are the keys of death, hell, and the grave. We're like, well, let's get out of here because it's hell. And we all left. That's the literal story of the gospel. Nobody really ever talks about that much. But I now, I almost, last night when I'm putting this together, I almost put a question mark because walking dead. <laughs> Most young people today are like, I'd be cool with that. I mean, I watch The Walking Dead. I'm playing all these video games with zombies. So, I mean, I'd be good with that. But I'm like, ah, I've never seen a zombie. I know it's TV, but I've never, like, I've seen ugly people that... <laughs> that I think look like they are dead, but never an actual dead person. Number six, he left earth to build us a home in a floating city. Excuse you. That made me sneeze. I'm like, that's how powerful that was. Do you really believe that out there somewhere in the vast universe... That there is a city that floats with streets that are paved with gold. And Jesus is out there with a hammer. What you doing? Building Mark a mansion. <laughs> what kind of mansion? Just depends on how much money he gives me in his offering. <laughs> right now I'm working on a bathroom. <laughs> Do you really believe that God is up there building you a house? In a floating city? Now, I did put a question mark because I watch Star Wars. And I understand there's other worlds out there. There's Boba Fett out there somewhere. There's Pizza Face Guy out there somewhere. There's Darth Vader. So, I mean, if he can float around in the Death Star and all these, I, I think there could be another world. 
And when I'm doubtful, I, I go research Area 51 about the other worlds that visit us and UFOs that come here. And I'm like, well, I've seen some people that look like they're aliens <laughs> that have big heads. But I've never really met an alien. I see YouTube videos that there are other things out there. They usually only visit people with no teeth in Arkansas. <laughs> you, and they never meet anybody in New York City. That would be cool. Like interviewing somebody on 51st and Broadway. Well, I was out there and me and my bride were going to the, to the theater and lo and behold, he stood in front of us and, well, he had these bug-awed eyes and a big forehead and we chatted a moment. No. What you get is, well, I was over there milking the cow, and all of a sudden he appeared over there to June. I said, June, don't look. She doesn't have it. You know, she had on her little nightgown over there. I said, June. And then all of a sudden they took her up in the sky. God only knows what they did because she don't remember it. I'm like, what? So, I mean, there are videos out there of people who seen things from another city. Number seven. He's coming back to earth riding flying horses. If you're a Christian, we have this belief that all the saints that have ever believed in him get a horse. I'm allergic to him. I'm thinking, I don't want to come back on a horse. I'll be wheezing. I'm even thinking either he's going to heal me or he's going to give me an inhaler. Wouldn't, won't that be an awesome day? Like millions, millions of followers of Jesus. But because he's God, he puts all of us that are allergic up front. We're like, <laughs> ready boys, let's go get him. <laughs> I don't know. But the, but the story says he, we all come back on flying horses. I put an X because I owned a horse when I was a kid, but I've never seen one fly. I watch Disney movies, but they're movies. I've never seen a horse fly. Well, yes, I have seen a horse fly. I've never seen a flying horse. Wow, that's a lie. I've seen a horse fly. I got bit by one. Number eight. He rules all the planet with his loyal followers. I have no problem believing that. Most kings who rule get their followers and they give them a position. That's any political, any political regime does that. So I'm good. Number nine, he claims he's the only way to God. Question mark, because a lot of people do. So I can't say because he said it means it's fake or not or real or not, but I'll just say I'm skeptical that he's the only way because there's been tons of people. Even Jesus himself will say there'll be other people that come say they're the only way. And then number ten, he offers eternal life if you believe only in him. And I put an X because that just seems so far-fetched that it has to be only Him. Now, if you're a Christian and you follow Christ, you have to put green check marks in front of all of it because that's the story. I tried to be fair emotionally and just put what I think is ludicrous, skeptical, impossible. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you believe a very nonsensical, illogical story and then have the audacity to tell other people if they don't believe it, they'll burn in hell. That's a powerful story. 
It does make me feel like maybe we are arrogant. It also makes me feel like, well, what if we're on to something and it is true? Wouldn't we tell everybody? But have you ever tried to tell a logical, educated person about floating cities and flying horses? They just think, what are you talking about? And why do I have to believe like you, Michael? To, who are you to tell me I have to believe this way? So let's, to make us feel like we're in better company, look at what his own followers did. It was a thought so crazy as the resurrection that even his own followers found it hard to believe. We're not in a bad place here. The guys that walked with him for three years thought this was the dumbest thing ever. I can't even fathom it. Let's read the story. It's in the Gospel of Luke. The women rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what happened. Let's just be logical here. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. These are the dudes that walked with him every day, rode on the boats, got out and walked on water, saw dead people raised, saw blind eyes healed, saw mute things, saw demons leave people, saw bread multiply. And then on the day to believe what it was all about, they're like, dude, it's nonsense. There's no way a dead dude came back. It's nonsense. Now, if the guys that followed him every day for three years think it's nonsense, am I unfair to be 2,000 years removed and go, it does feel like nonsense? Are we to die for this? Were these guys that say it sounds like nonsense, are they going to die for it? Because you don't die for things that are nonsensical. You run, you hide, you manipulate. But here's the thought. Is the resurrection story of Jesus just mere nonsense? Is it just another religious story? Is it just another religion for planet earth? Is it just as, as Ted Turner, you'd have to be around a long time to remember him, when he stood on the national news and said, Christianity is nothing more for a crutch for needy people. It's the crutch for the poor. When he said it, I thought, wow, that's a bold statement. Like Christianity is the crutch for the poor and needy. Meaning if you're educated and wealthy, you wouldn't need this nonsensical story. So it brings me to this thought of Scripture. As I was thinking this through, how would we determine if it's nonsense or not? How could I stand up on Easter, 2,000 years removed, Resurrection Sunday, and make the claim that I believe it's 100% true? So in my, the way I study the Bible and think it is I try to rationalize it, reason it, move it, and I came back rather than the day he resurrected with the followers going, it's nonsense, I decided to go back to the week he started. And I thought, if I could find a moment in the week he started, could I find something that could show me the power of who he was that may help me understand this claim that he is God? And if he is God, is he still God? 
So I go back to the Gospel of John and I picked out this obscure guy that most of us don't talk about often. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew's hometown. And Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, Now watch, this is interesting. We found the very person Moses and the prophet told us about. His name is Jesus. Now here's what's weird. In this first week or so of Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus is about 30 years old here. In this first week, there's this buzz already about him. He's not done a miracle yet. He's not cast out demons yet, walked on water yet, nothing. He's just a redneck from Galilee. And his brothers and friends come and say, Hey, dude, Nathaniel, Nathaniel, we have found him. Look, we think we found, we think we've tagged the guy that Moses said would come as the Son of God. We think we found him. You just got to come. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm telling you what I feel, but you should follow us. Come just see on your own. Check this dude out, man. This could be it. Oh, by the way, his name is Jesus. So Nathaniel. He says, his name is Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth, verse 46, in the pink. Nazareth? This is Nathaniel, got to love him. Very honest dude. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Just so you understand, what he means is Nazareth was backwoods. Nazareth was redneck. Nazareth ain't educated at all. They have a, they, they, they have a, they, they sort of have an accent. That's why when Peter was out there and said, I don't know him, how many times I got to tell you I don't know him? And the girl says, you sound like you're from Galilee. You have that accent. No, I don't. So even, even Nathaniel's like, I just don't know, man. Okay, I know you say, I know you say he's Jesus. I know you say you think you found the dude, but oh, Nazareth, nothing good. Okay, I'll go check it out. So like any guy following his friends, let me check it out. Next verse. As they approached, Jesus said, talking about Nathaniel, here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know this about me? Nathaniel replied. Well, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. What? No miracles yet? No resurrection yet? No proof yet? And yet you call him the Son of God before he's done anything? Long before there was a Peter who said, We perceive you are the Messiah, Christ, the Son of the living God. No dead people, no Lazarus being raised, no empty tomb. Just a man of complete integrity. And that's the weirdness of the story. Is that Jesus goes toward his character and says, This man right here has the character of a man of integrity. Here's what I know about men of integrity. A man of complete integrity will tell you the truth and die for what he believes in. A man of complete integrity will die to protect his wife. A man of complete integrity will give his soul for his children. 
It is only a loser man who will give up on his wife and children. But a man of complete integrity, a man that is genuine, he will take a bullet for his family. You will have to go through him and nine of his friends to protect his home. It's why men of integrity go and fight for a country. They'll take a bullet for the freedom of America because they're men of integrity. My integrity for my nation. My integrity for the brother and sister that I fight with that I'll never leave them dead on the thing. I will drag them back home. Because men of integrity cannot be bought. Men of integrity don't lie. Men of integrity don't check out when they don't need to check out. Men of integrity will die for the very passion of the integrity they believe in. You can't talk them out of it. So before Nathaniel, in his skepticism, here's what's weird, in his skepticism, I don't know, Nazareth, Jesus said, hey dude, man, you're, you're genuine, aren't you? You're a man of integrity. And notice what Nathaniel said. He didn't go, oh, no, not me, man. He's like, dude, how do you know me? How do you know that I don't tell lies? How do you know that I don't cheat on my taxes? How do you know that I don't lust after other women other than my wife? How do you know that I don't cheat people out of money? He said, well, I just know you. And I know that you're this man. And it was a man of complete integrity that first would state he's the son of God. Before anything happened, before any grave clothes were seen or an angel appeared, this dude named Nathaniel said, Well, I don't know much, but I know I don't talk unless I believe it. And I know I don't give in to lies very easily. And I know whatever I believe, I believe to the death. You are the Son of God. So when I read that this week and I thought it through, I thought, could Nathaniel be the mark, not mark, but the mark of proof that Jesus is the Son of God? Could I take this man of integrity who was skeptical, but logical, but truthful, who said, you are the Son of God, and the weird thing about that is he, Jesus didn't deny it either. Jesus wasn't like, no, not me. They both just acknowledged who each other were. You're the son of God, man of complete integrity. In other words, we agree. What you say is who I am, and who I am is what you'll always say. So I took that, and I've pondered it all week. And I thought, if it be true that Nathaniel really believes he's the son of God, then a man of complete integrity would die for that. If the story is fake, like we learn the story is going to be spread, it's fake. Nathaniel, man of complete integrity, about, dude, I'm out. I'm not going to trick people. I'm not going to run around and pretend like he's alive when he's not. I'm not going to wear a shirt that goes, he's alive, where is he? Not me. I'm a man of complete integrity, so I don't want to be part of this multi-level marketing scheme y'all got to go try to, he's not alive I don't want to be part of that. I just want to go back and do my job. I don't want to betray my character to go try to prove some false narrative of this Jesus guy that's alive. 
That's what I think about a man of integrity. If, if it's not true, he's going to get out on the day of the resurrection when the story begins to go around. He's going to be part of, it is fake, and I just want to tell you because I'm honest, it's fake. But not Nathaniel, because here's his story. St. Bartholomew Nathaniel was one of the twelve apostles of Jesus Christ, and after the resurrection... History tells us that he traveled east to the greater Armenia and according to traditional counts, he was flayed and beheaded because he tried to convert the king of Armenia to Christianity. I will tell you, if it's fake, a man will not let somebody peel his skin off to the bone and then chop his head off for something that's stupid. Not men of integrity. Other men, maybe, who were deceived. But we know about him. He was not deceived. He was a man of integrity. Men of integrity find what they believe, and they believe it to the end. So here's the end. The beginning was, dude, you're the son of God. The end was, hey, dude, he's the son of God. I just want to tell you, he is the son of God. He came to bring you life. His name is Jesus Christ. You better shut up. If you don't shut up telling us that stupid crazy, illogical story of floating cities and the only way, I tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to take this knife and I'm going to peel your skin off layer by layer and then at the moment of pain I'm going to keep peeling and then when you can't do it anymore, right at the very end, I'm going to behead you. Okay, dude, whatever. Whatever you got to do because I'm just here to tell you that He is the Son of God and whatever you got to do, you got to do. But I'm not changing what I believe. So if you need to flay me like a fillet and chop my head off, then I'm just here to tell you, you need Jesus Christ. He is the only way. And I'm here. I came from Jerusalem from a tomb to convert you, to tell you about a Jew that will forgive your sins and give you eternal life. And I'm here to convert you to Christianity. And they were ticked at it because he was attempting to change another guy's religion. And so they just simply did that. They just... Belayed him. When I read that, I'm like, that guy must know something I don't know. Because I'm thinking modern day Christianity. I just really struggle to know if he's real. Because I prayed that I wouldn't get stuck in traffic today, and I did. I mean, if he's real, I wouldn't got caught on 285 in a traffic jam. I mean, if he's real, why didn't he heal? I got a neck crick. I got a crick. And I went up there and they prayed. My crick's still here. He's probably not God. I got a crick. They're going to take my car. And if he don't help me get my bills paid, he's probably not real. He, he's not real. I just know it. Because otherwise he'd give me money for my car. Oh, my coffee's cold. He's probably not real. Do you not look at Christianity and think something's happened? Like we're ticked because God is not helping us hit every green light? Because God's not giving me a better job? Do you know what? Do you know you can get well without God? You can just go to a doctor. Do you know you don't need God for peace? You can just go to a counselor. This God offers you what no other God offers you. I will give you eternal life. 
And if you believe in me, all these other things happen, but it is about eternal life. You don't get filleted all your skin ripped off because you're hoping to hit the green lights. You don't get filleted with your head chopped off hoping the God of heaven gives you a better job. You get filleted with a head chopped off when you're like, He's God and I'm not changing anything about that. He's God every whit up, down and sideways and He's the only way to God and you got to put your faith in Him if you want to live forever and I'm, that's my story and I'm sticking with it. So if you got to start just sawing me in two, go for it. Because men will not be flayed for a fake story. We will run it, watch. Human beings will run a fake story all the way to the point that it doesn't behoove them. They'll deceive you to the end. But the moment they don't get money out of it or something out of it, the fake story's gone, they move on to something else. Why didn't he move on to another story? Why did this man not move to it? This is the time. If you're ever going to go to another story, this is the moment you need to go to another story. And he just won't do it. And it makes me want to spend the next several weeks proving how Jesus is the resurrected only Son of God. No matter how ludicrous it feels, how illogical it seems... He is the only Son of God. And I'm going to start here. That a man of complete integrity took one for the team because he believed it was true. And I'm simply asking all of us today in 2022, is your faith in Christ big enough to take one for the team? Or are you this close to getting out because your elbow still hurts? Or because some preacher did something. Or because some church doesn't has too many hypocrites. We don't die for those things. The resurrection is we die because He's the Son of God and it's arrogant and it seems narrow. But it's the only Son of God and He's the only way for eternal life. And if that's arrogant and if that seems very chauvinistically narcissistic, it's my story and I'm sticking to it. And we need more Christians that are that way. We need more Christians that say He is the only way. And we need Christians that can prove He's the only way. Next week I'm going to do my best to attempt to prove He is the only way. And why that even logically could work. But here we are today. And my question is, is your faith in Easter? You, 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 you did something good by coming here today so He would clap for you and go, thank you for coming today, I've missed you. So I could feel better about myself because I've been oh, I've kind of been not, not going to church a lot lately. So I thought I'd go today because it is Easter. And like God's like, finally I can love you now. I simply want you to go today and I want you to ask the question, why would a man of complete integrity stick to his story if it wasn't true? I believe it was true. Here's the c- conclusion. Though the story sounds like nonsense, I'm asking today, would you place your faith in Jesus and testify that He is the Son of God? We need people who are willing to go into other places and say, He's Jesus, the Son of God. 
We need more people that will open their mouth and say, it might cost me something, but I'm willing to talk about it because it's so real to me. We need men of integrity who stand up and go, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I know there's a culture that wants you to believe everything. Everything is fair game now. Everything you believe, YOLO, you do you, you believe you, great. I love it. What a great culture to grow up in, to be put in and go, oh, by the way, our way's the only way. But if you really are a Christian, then that's what you believe. Otherwise, why are you in the game? If you're only in the game to do church and get your conscience off of you, go somewhere else and let a psychiatrist get your conscience off of you. But if you're in the game for Jesus, then it is an arrogant, narrow-minded, selfish, narcissistic kind of belief. But accordingly, it's true. And we have to stand up and go, no matter how I'm labeled, men and women of integrity stick to their story and never change because we believe, though I've not seen him, I still believe he is the son of the living God. And I'm going to go out fighting for it. I'm not trying to turn you into me. I'm not trying to ask you to be preachers. I'm simply asking when you go out the door, is it real enough for you to keep the story going? Is it real enough for you to tell the people you work with, let me tell you about a guy that will give you eternal life? Are you willing to stand there and take one when they laugh at you or they mock you or they say things or they say that you're stupid or they make fun of your religion? Are you okay to go, hey, that's okay if you think that about me, but I'm just letting you know it's what I believe and I'm not budging. I think we've got to get a group of people that can get there. We live in a culture today that won't let us get there because if you get there thinking that way, it's so narrow that not many people want to go that way. It's too much pressure. It's too, oh, I don't like it. But, but Jesus even told us it would be this way. He even told us that in the end it's going to get very narrow. And why? Because the very narrow is He's the only way and He's the Son of God and not many people are going to believe that anymore. But I say this all the time. I say, if I'm going to go out, I'm going out swinging for the fences. I don't know what Jesus will say about me when I stand in front of him. I often wish I know what he would say. I hope I would stand in front of him. He'd go, you did a good job, boy. Come on in. I wish I could stand in front of him and go, hey, Mark, man of, man of great integrity and character, come on in. I struggle to hear him say that because I know me. I know my failures. I know my weaknesses. I know... I'm not asking you to believe me today. I'm not asking you to believe in Jesus because I do. I'm just simply telling you I believe. And I'll do whatever I got to do to get other people to believe. And I'm going to go out, though I might not be a great man of integrity in every realm of my life, I'm going to go out swinging that I believe He's the only begotten, ever-living Son of the living God that offers me eternal life and forgives me of everything I've ever done and nails on the cross everything that was ever opposed to me and asks me to follow Him. And if I follow Him, I will one day rule and reign with Him. Stick, that's my story. and I'm sticking to it. Here's communion. It's very simple. Would you pass the news along? If you don't, don't whine about where we are. If you don't want to pass it along, then don't be whining about Joe Biden, Trump, Democrats, Republicans, abortion laws, gun laws, border crossings. If you don't want to pass the news along, what do you think the world does that doesn't believe? 
pass the news along. Be bold. Believe it. It is nonsensical. It is weird. 